give the other party the benefit of the doubt. It's easy to judge and fire back something and say, well, this is typical of you, you're always doing this. It's okay to validate those emotions, but don't say it. In the Blend is a podcast series that helps parents navigate life within a blended family. Join me as I speak with experts and guests to get practical advice on how to have a harmonious blended family life. This series dives deep into the unique dynamics, logistics and challenges of raising a blended family. From new partners to juggling mixed finances, we will help guide you through it. Hello and welcome to In The Blend. Well, today we're joined by a special guest who has written a book on separation, divorce and family law in Australia. Drawing on her own personal experience and her family law expertise, she offers insights and advice for navigating the challenges that can arise during these difficult times. But Rebecca Mannering's story doesn't end there. She's also built a new life in a blended family with all of the joys and complexities that come with it. So today we'll also touch on her personal journey and some of the lessons that she's learned along the way. Whether you're going through separation or divorce yourself or just interested in learning more about this important topic, you won't want to miss this conversation. So without further ado, let's welcome Rebecca to the show. Well, hello, Rebecca, and welcome to In The Blend. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Rebecca, I am extremely impressed that you have written a book on the subject of surviving your split after divorce together with your sister and uh, was really interested to, to chat with you when I, when I came across the book and also learned that you've now got on to have a blended family of your own. So I thought you'd be a perfect candidate to come and have a chat with us on the podcast today. Um, look, to start off, I would love it if you can tell us a little bit about your background and how it led you to write this book on separation, divorce and family law in Australia. Sure. So my background is I'm a family lawyer um, and I've been a family lawyer now for oh many years, <laughs> many, many years now that I think of it. Um, and um, out of the blue, um, my then husband um, sort of announced that uh, our relationship was over and um, and that was fine. Uh, that was a bit of a shock, but, um, you know, these things happen. And I really, even though I'm a family lawyer, I found it was just very confronting having to suddenly deal with everything, just things like, you know, Medicare cards and um, private health and banks and child support. And uh, when you're feeling at your absolute lowest, you suddenly have all of these things you have to do uh, and try and maintain um, your work and, and also your parenting. So, and I remember thinking I could really do with uh, some sort of just easy guideline to help me through this. And then my sister Lucy had uh, the same experience and she sort of said to me, look, we need to have some sort of list. <laughs> I need a list. <laughs> and um, so that's really what led to uh, to us doing the book because I thought, you know, really would have been helpful just to have somewhere to go to just say, oh, my God, what do I have to do today? Absolutely. 
And Rebecca, I was just letting you know before we started recording, I've read the book and it is full of a whole lot of information and bits and pieces that you wish you you knew at the time, I'm sure, if you're you're going through it. So let's talk a little bit about family law in Australia. And this is probably an enormous question, but I'd love to know from your experience, what are some of the most important things that people should know about this area of law? So with parenting, I think the most important thing to remember is that it's a child-focused jurisdiction. So the paramount consideration for the court is what is in the best interest of the children. And I think that gets a little bit lost sometimes because when you look at the forms, the children aren't really even mentioned until about sometimes page three or four. So it's easy to lose sight of what, you know, what we're actually looking at, you know, how do we work out arrangements that are best for our children. Um, I think the other thing that parents don't really understand perhaps is that the court doesn't want to be your third parent. The court really wants you to go off and do it yourself if you can. Um, You know, that it can be a bit of a blunt instrument, court orders, And the court can't really take into account all of the the nuances of your own family like you can, you know, like like parents can. So the most important thing is to really look at, you know, why, why is the family in court and do they really need to be there? Can there, is there another option? Because it's not a nice place to be. No, no. And I, I like that idea of thinking about the court as not the third parent either and not expecting too much, I think is what you're saying by that, isn't it, in terms of what yeah. direction you need from them to some degree. Yes, that's right. That's right. So the court can't resolve issues, you know, very, very quickly or sometimes even very well. I mean, the, the judges are all fantastic and the senior judicial registrars, they're all passionate about children and children's rights. But we don't, you know, the lawyers and the judges, we don't know the families like mm. the parents do. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a big emotional aspect at play when anyone yeah. gets separated or divorced, as you know, and I'd love to touch on on some of those. So things like the first night without your children or the first month without your children. Yes. And I know your book covers covers uh, that, that very topic as well. Parenting negotiations, child support, navigating special days like Christmas yes. and, and birthdays. Can you talk about some of the most common challenges that, that people face in these areas? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, personally for me, I found it really hard. Uh, My little one, my littlest was only three and had never spent a night away from me. And uh, my my then five-year-old had only ever really been to like the odd night with my mum or with my sisters. So for me, it was a really big step to not have them there. But at the same time, I knew that they loved their dad and that they really need to have time with him as well. So I found it it was really important to make sure I did something fun for me so that I wasn't just sitting around moping. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, I was able to reassure the children that 
I was okay. Daddy's okay. You know, you're allowed to go and love both parents and you're allowed to be happy in both households. Yeah. Um, it was really important for me to be able to say to particularly the five-year-old, she was quite anxious at the time, mm-hmm. uh, that's okay, mum is going to go off and do something with her friends and it's okay to go and have fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it would be very easy to, to want to sit around and mope as well. It's yeah. it's a really emotional time and it, it is. Must take a lot of uh strength as well to proactively think, right, I'm gonna go and do X, Y, and Z, whatever that might be, yes. to help uh, yeah. fill that gap. Absolutely, because the children really like they are so good at picking up when we're distressed. So the last thing that they need when they're navigating this new situation is to be worried, oh my God, mum's at home and I'm really worried about her. Mm. So it's really important to reassure them that you're okay. But it's also good to have a little bit of time out every now and again too. That's true. That's true. Yes. If we look look on the positive side there as yes. well and, and reframe it that way, absolutely. Yes, yes. particularly if um, you know that they're safe and they're loved with their other parent. So yes. it's absolutely okay to have that time for yourself. Definitely. Yes. And yeah. what about what about shared moments like Christmas and birthdays and those sorts of things? How have you navigated those or, or what issues have you seen in your experience as well around those shared days? So, I mean, we're very lucky that there's no risk issues in our setup. So for us, and I think that's true of most parents, thank goodness. Um, so for us, just remembering it's, it's the children's day, is probably the most important thing to do. So being able to say hi to the other parents, you know, invite them in for a mimosa or, you know, if you don't have to drive, um, just letting them see that no matter what, everyone loves them and everyone's happy and everyone's there for them. Even when you're kind of internally grimacing. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Putting on that brave face. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And then I find that over time, you know, issues settle and everyone is, you know, pretty much amicable. Mm. Uh, There's been a a fair few sort of times where we've all been on the the sidelines at soccer or football going, oh, happy families. (laughs) But... As far as the children are concerned, all they remember is that we were all there and that we're all watching them and that they were just incredibly loved. And in your professional experience, have you had any issues with shared days and and parents not being able to perhaps be in the same room or agree on who has going to have access to the children on those days? Yes, and that can be horrendous. I've had matters where, you know, parents have ended up in jail on Christmas Day. And that is just absolutely the worst thing for your child. You know, that really is the worst thing for their children. Um, And if that's going to be an issue, if there's going to be issues of drugs or violence or alcohol, then we try to separate families as much as possible because children don't need to remember that. I always have to remind myself that because I'm now a senior solicitor, I don't know when that happened, I don't know when I became so old, (laughs) I generally deal with the worst of the worst matters. So. Right, you've seen it all. That's right. (laughs) So these are the outliers. These aren't the normal, you know, the normal matters. But, yes, it's it's horrible when you have that sort of thing happen. Oh, it would be. 
it would be, and I can imagine some of the more common issues centre around those day-to-day -day parenting negotiations yes. or the child support would be another big one, yes. I'm assuming as well. Yeah. Yes, um, yes. So let's move on to your current situation. And I know sure. you're you're now part of a blended family yourself. Yes. And I would love to know what are some of the unique challenges and rewards of being in this kind of family structure? So we started out with very little kids um, and we've been together now for about a decade. Um, the children were very little and it was a lot of kind of navigating um, schools and friendship groups with other parents and also just being able to rely on other, the other parents to, um, you know, to help out. We um, ended up with very sporty children, so it was fairly common for us to be, you know, to have a, a match at Ipswich and then one at Sanford Valley, which is um, probably about two hours apart. Oh, my goodness. So just being able to kind of negotiate that. Definitely. Um, that's that's. And I think I think a lot of parents would recognise that situation being in the car most of Saturday, trying to get kids to matches, mm. um, and being able to constructively talk about, "Hey, can you take this child here, and I'll take this <laughs> child there?" And exactly, yes. there's yeah. a lot of logistics, especially in those yeah. younger years and the school age years, where there's a lot of oh. toing and froing that has to be done. There really is. And also um, lots of, you know, birthdays of friends and birthdays of cousins and siblings and trying to make sure that kids get to have those special days yes. without too much, you know, yes. Yes, without angst. Or too much angst. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And so did you, yeah. in the early days, did you have a co-parenting schedule in, in terms of pickups and drop-offs and, and those sorts of things where you could? Yes, we did. We did. Um, I found, and it's funny because, you know, as a family lawyer, I I can spend hours drafting up beautiful orders and beautiful parenting plans, but I find having a, a, a set, set schedule to begin with is helpful, but that goes by the wayside after about six months if everyone's cooperating. Um, so it's probably good to have it in place and something to fall back on. But pretty much after, you know, six months after we'd spent all weekend pretty much running children to their various activities, we all just kind of made it work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it just evolves over time. It does. And I think the most important thing is to just remember it's, it's got to be about the children in their childhood. Mm. Um, I mean, you can obviously overschedule them but um yeah it has to be about getting them to see their siblings and their cousins and having that time that special time definitely yeah keeping that front of mind yeah and in your new family structure have you got stepchildren now yes. as well so you're a stepmom step and a mom and there's there's ex-partners and co-parents <laughs> in your family unit so yes uh, I'm I'm in a similar situation as well what so one one topic that often comes up in blended families like ours is co-parenting yes. and I'd love to ask you Rebecca how do you and your partner navigate this and what advice would you give to other blended families who are trying to make this whole co-parenting thing work as well i think the most important thing is to 
take time. Just, you know, it's really, I think the biggest issues I see with mothers like those Shakur is the communication. Just firing off that ranty email in response to something that has annoyed you or upset you, which then in turn leads to the other party firing off a ranty email back. And then by the time everyone's kind of, you know, vented, we've all lost sight of what we're actually trying to do. Give the other party the benefit of the doubt. I think it's it's easy to see our relationship with them in the prism of our failed relationship with them. And it's easy to judge and fire back something and say, well, this is typical of you. You're always doing this. It's okay to think it. You know, it's okay to, you know, validate those emotions, but don't say it. Or put it in writing. Yeah, don't. It's just not helpful. Yeah, it's really um, just detracts from whatever point you're trying to make. And even if you're right, it's probably not going to be constructive. Mm. And do a lot of those messages, either verbal or written, get presented then in various cases and used (laughs) as evidence against a particular person in the relationship? Oh, I had, I, I vividly recall probably one of the worst examples is a five day trial where every single text message basically was put to either parent and they were cross examined on it. And I'm sure when they sent those text messages or emails, those parents thought they were really sticking it to the other parent. <laughs> <laughs> but take it as a whole, the judge was just looking at both of them going, are you the most childish family in the world or is this how you raise your children? So, Absolutely. Yeah, they're not yes. thinking it's going to be on a big screen in front of a room full no. of people all critiquing <laughs> the back and forth. That's right. And I think the, the biggest, the biggest um, message that came out of that trial was that everything they were trying to negotiate was just lost in the noise. Mm because it just descended into this slanging match and and there were some very, very big issues in the family that needed to be addressed quickly. But because their co-parenting relationship and their communication skills were so bad, everything got lost. And the the problem is the is the kids as well, isn't it? Yes. And when the kids are old enough to read, they can read your phone, oh, they can read your messages. Oh, they, oh, they can hear you. your side anyway of, of what you're saying. And yes, yeah. yes, oh, right. big um, you know, big flappy ears hear everything. And <laughs> teenagers are so good. No matter how much you think you've uh, hidden all of your messages, they find them. They do Google searches and then. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, yes. and it's well it's role modeling that behavior, isn't it? That it is, that, it is. Yeah. Yes. I think it, um uh, our children get a little bit sick of um we we very much model conflict resolution skills and I think they get a little bit sick of it because they'll go, Oh god, she's got a mediator voice on again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Well, that's better than the other one, Rebecca. (laughs) Much better than having the police turn up. Definitely. And having your messages broadcast in the courtroom full of people. Yes. So in your opinion, what are some of the most important things that 
people should consider from a family law perspective when it comes to blended families. So when they're perhaps merging into a new family unit or a second marriage or relationship yeah. where there might be other children involved, what, what would be some of the things you would suggest they should be thinking about? I think the most important thing is to put the children first. So it's, it's, it's got to be child-focused. It's a child-focused jurisdiction. We only get one shot at giving our children a fantastic childhood. So I think just really thinking at all stages, is this good for my child? Is this what my children need? Um, the other thing is to try and keep the jealousy at bay. And that can be really hard. You know, it's horrible thinking, oh, God, my children are being looked after by another woman. Oh, my God, that's horrible. But try and sort of reframe that in your own mind and say, it's fantastic that my children are loved in both households. Yes. And it's fantastic that I get this guilt-free time for me. Uh, I did my master's and I took up marathon running um, and I was able to do that you know, without having to think, oh, God, where are my children? Because mm. I knew that they were safe and they were loved in the other home. Mm. Um, I think well, probably one of the most important things is just be really mindful of boundaries. Um, be mindful that the other parent is probably thinking, oh, is my child being, you know, am I losing my child to another parent? Am I losing my child to my step? you know, to their stepmother or stepfather, just be really conscious that generally it's really not helpful for step parents to say anything to the other parent. It's not, and I really, I'm really conscious about that. It's not my place to say negative stuff to my stepkid's mum, you know, that's not my place. If, if, she and my partner have an issue, they will sort it out themselves and they do really well. But I'm not going to help. <laughs> Nothing I say can be helpful. No. And I think that that's a really good point. And I think that's something that through a little bit of experimentation as a step parent, <laughs> you figure that out pretty quickly. And But it's not necessarily about you. Well, it's not about yeah. you. It's just It's just the situation. That's um, right. So you and say it do, to your partner instead. Yes. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. And just be really careful of uh, what you text to your partner because it's very easy to accidentally text somebody else. True. <laughs> yes. My um, my sister and I had a have a saying, text your sister, not your ex. But <laughs> make then, sure you actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But get it right in the two fields. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Oh, that's good advice. Your sister has been through a similar situation as well, who you co-wrote the book with. Is that correct? Yeah, she has. Yeah, yeah. she has. Oh, so you've yeah. got a nice relationship with one other, one another by the sounds of it. Yeah, I, I'm really lucky. Um, I have two sisters and I love them both dearly and we've really got each other's back. Oh, it's so, yeah. so nice and so important when you are in blended family situations. I think that yeah. that inner circle of people in your life become more important than ever. Um, oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have got that person you can vent to or you can you can uh, have go and have a drink with or a coffee when you need to get something off your mind. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Finally, looking back on your own journey, what advice would you give to someone who's currently going through separation or divorce perhaps 
mm-hmm. or it could be someone who's trying to build a new life in a blended family. I think definitely uh, giving each other ben- the benefit of the doubt is important. It's really easy to get caught up in the frantic pace and to just assume the worst of everyone. Um Communication is so important, but communication that's constructive. Um, I, I noticed that you had the developer of two houses on the other day. Yes. That is such a great app. Uh, we really do love that because it gets everything into the one place. Yes. And it means that uh, people tend, I, I find that people tend to be a little bit more careful when they're communicating to their co-parent using the app. It's almost like they kind of think, oh, it's a business-like arrangement rather than firing off angry texts mm. which just don't help anyone. No. Yes. No, that's what stood out for me with that, that yes. discussion as well was that ability to keep it completely neutral. Absolutely. To yeah, be emotional about those requests. Yes. It's, so, it's so helpful. Um, I don't think I've done a single affidavit in the last, well, ever, uh, where I don't have angry texts going backwards and forwards. And the judges hate it. The judges just look at parents and go, oh, come on, grow yes. up. <laughs> you're, you're the parents. I mean, there are horrific matters where there are serious risks and those matters need to be in the court. But generally, most families don't need to be there. They just need to be calling it a bit and just, you know, putting the kids first, just remembering this is about them, not about us. Very good advice. Yeah. Rebecca, we're almost at time here, but just lastly, I'd love to talk a little bit about your book and where where people might be able to go to access a copy of of the book that you and your sister have written and also to get in touch with you as well. Uh, So the book's um, uh, for sale at most uh, bookshops. Um, So you can buy it directly from MEP, the publisher, um, and you can buy the ebook direct from MEP. Um, you can download it on Kindle, and you can also find it in the library. I tend to, uh, I always feel a bit funny about saying, "Have you buy my book?" So I tend to say, <laughs> "In the library, <laughs> go and reserve your copy." I love yes. it. I love it. Well, so many people tend to get their books on those library apps now as well. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. such such an achievement writing that book Thank and you. putting so much helpful information out into the world. Um, Thank you. No, I really do recommend it for anybody who might be going through any uh, any separation or, or divorce. It is it is an invaluable resource. So perfect. Thank you so much. And Rebecca, just Thank lastly, you. how can people get in touch yeah. with you? Ah, so my uh, my firm is called Northside Family Law. So it's uh, www.northsidefamilylaw.co.au. We're based in Sandgate and Chermside. Up in Queensland. That's right. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Rebecca. I've so enjoyed our chat today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the In The Blend podcast. The show notes for this episode are available at intheblend.com.au. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and please rate and review in your podcasting app. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn.